Hello and welcome to the Pilgrim's Podcast, the podcast where we pilgrimage our way through Bunyan's allegorical classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. My name is Stephen Cairns. I am joined, as usual, by Jordan Neal. Hello. And Harry Russell. Hello. And this episode, we have a very special guest with us, the the artist behind RevTunes, uh, the the author behind the poetic journey of the Pilgrim's Progress, Mr. Paul Cox. Hello. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the Pilgrim's Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So, for those who, who don't know RevTunes or, or Paul Cox, do you want to give us a, a quick introduction to who you are? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'm Paul Cox. Uh, I live in southern Wisconsin with my wife, four kids, and four chickens. Uh, I do freelance illustration uh, full-time, and on the side I do a comic called RefTunes, and uh, through that I, uh, my wife and I uh, have delved into children's books, and we uh, kind of rewrote Bunyan's uh, story of the Pilgrim's Progress as a children's book um, in like a in poem form, and that's uh, the Pilgrim's Progress: A Poetic Journey. How does it feel to be a co-author with uh, one of the most renowned Puritans of all time? A <laughs> co-author? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a co-author. I would say I maybe. I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not worthy. <laughs> there we go. I don't know. I just wanted my kids to, to understand the, the basics of the story a little better. So I kind of took his, his stuff and yeah. you know, I tried not to dumb it down too much, but <laughs> hopefully it gets the main themes across to the kids. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a copy here of your book. And uh, it's great. It's well illustrated. It's it's got the real nice pattern to the rhymes, and it, yeah, it covers all those main plot points that you'd expect to find uh, awesome. when you're telling a child the kind of a condensed version of the book. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's something that will whet their appetites, and hopefully, in years to come, we'll maybe pick up the unabridged version. Yeah, the Bunyan edition. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in trying to do a poetic journey version of this world famous book well i was kind of pushed by some friends of mine to um to do this as a children's book and then one of them mentioned possibly doing it as a as a rhyming poem so uh we jumped in headfirst into uh breaking down the story trying to figuring out trying to figure out what themes we wanted to keep and what themes we needed to um which parts of the book we needed to discard because as a poem and as a children's book we knew it would have to be um significantly shorter of course than yeah than the actual book so uh my wife and i went through and marked up our copy of the pilgrim's progress figuring out what parts would be necessary so we we wanted to keep a lot of the the trials that he faced uh so so in the children's book it's not it's not shown but it's implied that 
uh, faithful was uh, executed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and quite a heavy theme for a kids' book. Yeah, yeah. And then towards the end, I mean, he goes through the river of death, and he's just kind of mm-hmm. giving up. But his friend Hopeful is there, helping him along and sh- and and giving him hope, uh, pointing him towards towards Christ. Yeah. And we wanted to show that, you know, even in, in the Christian life, there are hard times, but God has given us friends. Uh, he's given us fellow believers to encourage us and help us through those tough times to point us to Christ. And so we wanted to keep those themes intact. And, and so we ended up with, with what we have here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the very beginning, the the scenes in the City of Destruction, I remember when we talked about that part of the book in the podcast, uh, there was about his family uh, kind mm-hmm. of deriding him and chiding him. And your right. illustration of the kids pulling on him really captures that. And you only have <laughs> one page, maybe two pages of that, but it, it captures that whole aspect of, of those maybe a couple of paragraphs. Right, yeah, and that was... That was actually one of the tougher pages to do. I originally had it. I originally had that broken up into a few different illustrations, but we ended up kind of playing with the text a little bit to to make it fit on just one mm-hmm. one page and 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 work with just a single illustration. And so that we were happy with the way that one turned out. One of the things my boys really love pointing out in each and every single page uh, was the chickens. <laughs> There is a theme which I don't believe is in the original text no. of a companion <laughs> trio of uh, chickens that accompany Christian. Uh, you said you have four chickens, yeah, but yeah. there's only three in the book. Yeah. Is there a, is there a least favorite chicken that you've uh, abandoned? Well, yeah, that one wasn't chosen, so <laughs> he was he was not predestined. Um, that, <laughs> we we do have a uh, least favorite chicken. <laughs> uh, that, that runs from us and that we will probably be eating first um, <laughs> but, well that took a dark turn <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I originally did not have the chickens in there uh-huh. and we were going through the images thinking we needed something a little more to keep kids attention mm-hmm. and so one of the things that my kids really like doing we have some books where each page there's a little yellow rubber ducky Mm -hmm. that they need to find and they love looking on each page for that little ducky and so we thought well why not just add some chickens (laughs) so that's yeah it's kind of where that i can tell you it worked a treat awesome (laughs) i'm looking here at the page of vanity fair and i think i found your least favorite chicken (laughs) he he is on the spit he is being roasted (laughs) you found it (laughs) (laughs) and the other one is so shocked it laid an egg (laughs) yes (laughs) So when you're writing this, were there any parts that you really would have loved to have brought into it, but had to cut? Oh, yeah, there are so many parts. Um, I would have loved to have Apollyon in there. Oh, yeah. And, oh, just some of his conversations with some of the other people, like talkative and, um, and sitting around, I think they were sitting around a fire when he was discussing faithful and his sacrifice mm-hmm. um that that i would have liked having in there because it showed a little bit more um 
I don't know, character development of Christian and uh, talking about how much faithful meant to him and, and stuff. So things like that would have been really fun to get into, but but it's a it's a children's book and it needed to be a certain amount of pages um, to just to keep the kids' interest and things like that would have felt like it was drawing drawn on. If I could jump in, Paul, just a wee second. Um, yeah, I have to confess I don't have a copy yet. Um, Stephen's <laughs> kind of like my barometer when it comes to books, and if he likes it, it's theologically sound and that means it's going to be okay <laughs> and he has i mean he's been raving about, about your book and i haven't got a copy yet but it, hopefully by the time december 25th comes around there'll be there'll be one in our house um <laughs> maybe you've already answered this now but if it can go sort of real right back you mentioned you got four kids yourself um what was it that really bore this out what was it that really sparked this off this this uh poetic taking on this allegorical classic um well yeah i've got four kids and i'm always we're always looking for uh solid material for them to read or or to read to them solid stuff that that has solid theology and um i mean bunyan's book the pilgrim's progress has is really good in the theology and uh, just allegorizing the Christian life. And I want my kids to be interested in things like that. So like through Reftoons, I'm doing like a, a catechism. I'm doing, it's the Baptist catechism. And I'm making that accessible for kids with with illustrations and, and things like that. And so with the, the poetic journey, I, it's kind of along those same lines. I just want them to have solid materials and not, not fluffy materials that aren't very theologically sound so that's that's that was kind of our motivation behind doing a children's book in this vein does that make sense oh totally, <laughs> yeah of course and just to just to pick your brains maybe about the, the future um is there maybe any future projects that you have is there going to be a, a poetic augustine's confessions or calvert's <laughs> institute or joel osteen's your best you or <laughs> what have you got for the future? Oh, the Joel Osteen one. That one's uh, <laughs> that's tempting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's the oh man, we got so many different ideas um, that we just need to pace ourselves. Yeah. Um, so the the next one that I'm doing is the the Catechism, and it's going to be published by the same company that published the poetic journey and once that's finished i'm also working on a book about perseverance uh and it's based off of spurgeon's quote by perseverance the snail reached the ark so it's okay. a, it's going to be another children's children's picture book it's not i don't it won't be in poem form it'll be more of a story so that's that's one thing I'm working on, but I've got a big list of things. You mentioned Augustine, and I I really do want to do something with Augustine and his his hippo, like what I've drawn for Reftoons, but as a children's book of some sort, maybe illustrating his confessions or something. Oh, that would be that would be cool. What about uh, the the sequel to Pilgrim's Progress itself, Christiana's yeah. Adventures? 
Yeah, I've I've thought about that. I'd like to do that as well. That's that's also on the list. Um, but there's yeah, there's just so, like like I said, there's so many other things, so many things that I want to do. I have to pace myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, swinging to the the rap tunes area, then um, I think it was your your rap tunes on um, Twitter that I first came across your work. Um, I think it might have been, I think one of the earliest ones I remember seeing, one of my favorite ones is the Augustine and Pelagius conversation (laughs) uh, with Augustine, as always, on his hippo. Yeah. (laughs) um, With the the skeleton and the life preserver. (laughs) Yeah, that was the the fourth one I ever did. (laughs) Right? I think for me, I think Stephen, you showed me them first. And the earliest one I can remember was... um, all the different types of uh, Johns you had, oh. um, all lined up. Getting their coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I remember coming across the the Spurgeon uh, pancakes one, um, oh, yeah. and, and I'd had never come across that quote from Spurgeon, so I wasn't sure whether it was a spoof or um, this was an actual quote from Charles Spurgeon himself about there is hardship in everything except eating pancakes. <laughs> yep, that's that's an actual quote. yeah that's from his uh one of his books john plowman's pictures so who would be your favorite uh character from church history to to draw or to doodle oh let's see i like to draw spurgeon because his quotes are very picture worthy (laughs) uh but but i also really enjoy drawing augustine and his hippo yeah so those two Plus, uh, like one I'd like to draw more of is John Owen. Um, mm. I like a lot of his yeah. works. Is there is there anyone that you find that they're just not cartoonable? <laughs> oh yeah, um, there there are some. Like I'll get requests for different quotes and things, and um, I'll add them to my idea sheet. Uh, yeah. Some of them aren't necessarily cartoonable in and of themselves and so i'll look for more by that person right to see if anything else might be might be good um trying to think i'm sure there there have been some people that didn't seem very cartoonable but i made a cartoon of them anyways (laughs) (laughs) i remember coming across uh, a tweet from tom holland the historian he had uploaded a picture of um Calvin, as sketched by one of his students during a lesson, uh-huh. so it would it would appear that you are in good standing with um, people even from Calvin's classes of drawing cartoons of, of <laughs> theologians and church historians. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. It's a time honored tradition. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, there were a lot of cartoons drawn of Spurgeon back when he was alive. For editorial as editorial cartoons in the newspapers. <laughs> oh, right. I came. I've I've come across a few of those. I'm sure you'd be a little bit uncomfortable with this being a, a bit of a Paul Cox love in now, Paul. But I'm I'm aware that the other two have mentioned one of their favorite cartoons. Mine. It's it's a rather recent one. Um, as I say, I've got two kids. I've got two girls, and there was one. Mm-hmm. It was oh, it was only a matter of weeks ago, and I think it was a Spurgeon quote about training up a child in the way that you go, but make sure that you go that way yourself. And it was oh, the, yeah. the dad and the daughter. 
and it was yep. sort of then progressing through through life um and it just hit me it just hit me in the feels paul you got me oh. in the heart <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> or you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> but i mean they're not just that they're, they're funny um but they're not just funny there's a real lesson there too and some of them too yeah yeah and i i try to a lot of these quotes are very very serious and deep and i want to get people thinking deeply and not just surface level mm-hmm. um but there are times when I just want to have fun with with my cartoons, and so I'll do like a the Spurgeon pancake quote or the the coffee one, <laughs> and and I've I actually have a a new one that I'm working on right now that's more of a spoof than a real serious serious one. And again, it's about <laughs> coffee. <laughs> I'm sure that'll catch me out now that you've done the pancake one. I'll think, well, if that was a real one, this must be a real one as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, and then your your Inktober ones from last year. I remember the the John Knox. I've just pulled it up here. John Knox with the Braveheart face paint on. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, which is <laughs> fantastic. I didn't think there was any other way you could portray John no. Knox. <laughs> I think that's I think that's true. <laughs> so we have uh, we've come out of the interpreter's house and. Uh, Christian is on the highway, uh, walking towards the hill that'll bring him to the cross. He's carrying his burden, and in this episode, the burden falls off almost by magic. It falls off by itself, and Christian arrives at one of his key markers on this journey. This is this is a part of the the poetic journey, Paul, that you've taken a, a double page spread for. Yeah. So, what do we think about uh, coming out of the interpreter's house, back onto the journey again, back hitting the road again? Well, Christian's running, isn't he? He's running, but not with a great difficulty. Obviously, because of the heavy load on his back, and he gets to that place, he gets to within eyesight of the cross, and it's amazing. All he does is look at the cross and the burden tumbles off his back and it's the it's the culmination of everything that we've we've read so far this guilt this shame that's weighing him down it's cumbersome and he couldn't get rid of it and he bumped into this character and that character and we've had worldly wise men and we've had legality but now here he is he's at the cross and the burden tumbles off what a relief in many ways this could be almost seen as the end of the story. This is what he was looking for whenever he came across the book An Evangelist at the beginning. How do I get rid of my burden? It's only whenever you look and you see, oh, there's a couple of couple of hundred pages here left, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's quite early for the crescendo of the story. Would you say this is almost the end of the first act? It could could be. It could have a act. Probably, yeah. It's quite a, a turning point in the whole book. Not necessarily a turning point, but it's quite a... a pivotal moment. Yeah, it's a pivotal moment. So is this the point where he actually became a Christian? Well, that's the question that keeps coming yeah, up. Yeah, that's a big question. Again and again. When exactly does Christian <laughs> become a Christian? Because it's at this point where he's given new robes. Yep. And he's given a scroll. Yes. Representing kind of the Holy Spirit sealing him. Yeah. And it's declared that his sins are forgiven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the rest of the book would be his sanctification. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Kind of. So what's happened so far then? I think we had this discussion that the Wicked Gate is part of the, the conversion point. But it seems that this is this is inarguably the the defining moment. But how do we understand what's come before then in light of this? That's a good question. I'm kind of looking through my, my copy of the book. and Do you guys have any like footnotes in your copies or Bible verses interwoven with the text? Yeah, I've, I've got a couple. So at the point where it says he looked and looked until the tears streamed on his cheeks, it says to look up Zechariah 12.10 to see a description of true repentance. So... I've got it right here if you want me to read it. Oh, yeah, well, that's quicker. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Hmm. So it's tied to the to the looking at the cross. Right. Reminds me a little. We were talking in in Sunday school yesterday. We were uh, recounting the story of Nicodemus, and when Jesus meets Nicodemus, or Nicodemus meets Jesus, and then Jesus harkens back to to Numbers and with the Israelites and and their their disobedience, and they get sick, and and Jesus says, just then, like the the bronze serpent was was lifted up on the pole and they they looked uh, to the bronze serpent and that was how they were healed and jesus said you know i'll be be lifted up it's a it's a look and it's a look for christian here at the cross that tumbles the burden off his back and it falls into the the sepulchre sepulchre did you guys know what that word meant before you read this nope nope me either nope (laughs) (laughs) i looked it up so um I'm looking it up on uh, dictionary.com. So, Paul, what have you got for uh, it? Well, yeah, I just Googled it. It says, <laughs> a small a small room or monument cut in rock or built of stone in which a dead person is laid or buried. Oh, wow. So, it's, so it's like he's putting his sins to death. Okay. Almost. Yeah. When his, his burden comes off, it's like the old man being put to death. Yeah. And on dictionary.com, the the second definition for it is uh, an Easter sepulcher, a structure or recess in some some old churches in which the Eucharist was deposited with Jews ceremonies on Good Friday to be taken out at Easter in commemoration of Christ's entombment and in mm. resurrection. Yeah. The grave, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm seeing that on some of the, uh, the images I get up as well, uh, just because my computer automatically searches in Bing. So being like showing you just <laughs> So is Bunyan pulling together a very deliberate picture of the cross and the tomb and uh, what was done on the cross uh, with Christ is is also true of uh, Christian's burden. I think I think he probably is because if you look at that poem that Christian says at the end of this section, mm-hmm. he says, Blessed cross, blessed sepulchre Blessed rather be the man that there was put to shame for me. Yeah. Seems to be making a connection between Christ, the cross, the tomb. Mm-hmm. Even the way the burden's described then is tumbling. Mm-hmm. 
um, off his back. I, I mean, this is maybe a bit <laughs> irreverent then in light of what we've just been discussing, but it, it almost conjures up a, a picture in my mind of like a pool table and the, the burden being a pool ball rolling down the table and into the pocket. Mm. And uh, it's gone. Yeah. It's completely out of sight. It's away. How very irreverent, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I figured. But it's gone. And, it, and he sees it. He sees it no more. And the first words out of his mouth are, Jesus. Jesus has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. That's powerful. Yeah, there's no doubt in Christian's mind as to what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But it's not too long before he meets... Three shining ones, it says in my copy here anyway. Three shining ones that, that give him more more good news, as it were. He's marvelling in, in what's just happened. And they come to him. I don't know what you think about this, but this says here, the three shining ones represent the work of the triune God in the heart of a sinner who's saved by grace. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, that I've got notes of say the same um, in the first... Shining one, the Father forgives, the Son clothes, and the Spirit seals and gives assurance. Oh, okay, that's yeah, interesting. That's, that's a good, good commentary there. I, I've got some, some verses referenced on mine. Mark two five, for thy sins be forgiven thee. It's uh, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Uh, and then, clothed him with the change of raiment. Zechariah 3 4. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And then the roll with the seal on it, Ephesians 1 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So those are. The verse references I have in mind. Yeah. And then that third one, that third shining one, giving the mark on the forehead, is that that's a reference, I think, to Revelation and the the counterpoint to the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, yeah. The marking of uh, the ones who belong to the Lamb. Seems legit. Yeah. And now, at the very end of that chapter, as he's come to the cross, as he's met these three shining ones, he obviously hasn't got this burden, so he's not he's not trudging along, he's not hunched over, but it says that he, he gave three leaps for joy. Mm-hmm. Now he's leaping. <laughs> oh he's airborne, yeah. Even even just that that image. As we've seen him the whole way through, he has this burden, he wants to get rid of it and he's looking to, to shed himself off it and it's cumbersome and it's burdensome and it's weighing him down and now he's He's walking and leaping and praising God, as the kid's song would say. <laughs> I wonder if that's what he was singing too. <laughs> he was singing, rolled away, rolled away. Mm-hmm. And the burden of my heart was sunk into the middle pocket. Isn't that right, Stephen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love, uh, Paul, in your uh, poetic journey that you've got the, the old school barber with yeah. the cutthroat razor. And uh, not only does he get his clothes, his rags taken off and a new um, shirt given to him, but he's clean shaven and he's uh, right, manicured yeah. and and uh, just uh, he is a new man. He is. Yeah, I wanted to give him some contrast between the first part of the book and then the rest of the book. So mm. uh, why not give him some stubble? 
yeah. at the beginning of the book, and then at, after yes. the cross, have him have him get a shave. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean the, and the whole thing conjures up images of of Paul writing, um, and and a lot of his letters about putting off the old garments and putting on the new, and uh, again in Revelation that idea of of Christ's bride being ordained and adorned. Or, or, um, Adorned <laughs> would be the right word. Uh, <laughs> Christ's bride being adorned in uh, in white robes. Yeah, and then we get the song. We get a, uh, two two stanzas of uh, whatever he does sing when he comes uh, down from meeting the shiny ones. His burden's gone. His heart is lifted, and he's got a, a new song on his lips. He's now ready to face the next part of the the journey. They really are quite beautiful words when you read them, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's a wonder Chris Tomlin hasn't done something with them. (laughs) (laughs) Thus far did I come, laden with my sin, nor could anything ease the grief that I was in until I came here. What a place this is. This must be the beginning of my bliss. It just sort of encapsulates the the first seven chapters that we have here in four lines. Yeah. Yeah. This is the beginning of my bliss. Well, I think that's really this episode of Christian's journey. From here, Bunyan recounts that he sees in his dream Christian going on. And I think we'll leave the the next couple of uh, companions that he meets for the next episode. Paul, do you want to give a a shout for where we can find your book and your Reftoons material? Uh, You can find Reftoons on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can get the Pilgrim's Progress, a poetic journey from hesedandemmet.com, uh, H&E Publishing. Uh, it's on their website. You can also go to Amazon. Just type in uh, Pilgrim's Progress, Paul Cox, and you should come up with it. And I think that's it. Well, that would be a, a goodbye for any child for Christmas. A great book, well illustrated, well uh, presented. Uh, and you might just, if you get it on uh, next day of delivery, you might just get it in time for Christmas morning. <laughs> thank you, Paul, for for joining us for this part of yeah, the thanks for having podcast. Me. Thank, thank you, you so much, Paul. It was fun. If you want to get in touch with us, you can grab us on Instagram or Twitter at Pilgrim's Pod or send us uh, an email on pilgrimspod at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. To the Pilgrims Podcast. I've been Stephen. I've been Jordan. I've been Harry. And I've been Paul. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know if I was supposed <laughs> to say something. Thank you, Paul, for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>